wanted to listen. None wanted to share. Melbourne Youth and Social Workers Group and the Knowledge on Tick podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Boonarong and Wurundjeri peoples, their elders past and present. We would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the land, her children and our families. We would like all of us to show respect for each other, Mother Nature and the creatures on the land and the sea. Hey everyone, the Melbourne Youth and Social Work Facebook group would like to welcome you to the Knowledge on Tick podcast. We are Josh and Nat and we will be your co-hosts for the potty. Knowledge on Tick is a podcast offering real-life conversations and insights every week with workers in the field covering a range of topics surrounding the youth and social work world. We are so grateful to have you here and happy listening. All right, should we kick it off? Sure. Yep. All right. Well, this is the very first, first. episode of the Melbourne Youth and Social Workers podcast, Knowledge on Tick. So we finally, um, we stuck a name, we got to a name. Mm. And we are joined by Sarah. <laughs> I didn't so know you were introduce yeah. myself then. <laughs> yeah. No, joined by Sarah, um, your drug and alcohol worker in Melbourne. Yep. Um, and we're gonna just have like a bit of a general chit chat, um, your experiences and your work about drugs and alcohol. Um, so we're going to start all of our podcasts off with a set of questions for our guests um, to get the ball rolling. Sarah, what did your parents do for work? So my mum is a psychologist, but is an organisational psychologist. So does things like leadership programs in um, companies and organisations. Like she works for a bank and that kind of stuff. Um, and then my dad is a lawyer, but working mm. um, in litigation. So more like commercial sort of law. Okay. Yeah, yeah right. Did your mum's like background with psychology stuff kind of lead you into the Absolutely social? Absolutely not. Nah, okay. no? She would love to say that it did. <laughs> um, and is desperate for me to finish my uh, my um sorry, sorry, my law degree. Look at um, my psych degree, but no, she didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, okay. Uh, our next question is: Who is the most famous or well-known person in your phone book? It's purely by association, um, <laughs> but Dustin Martin. Ah, yeah, so okay. I've got his number. Yeah, right. Never used it, but I've got it. Yeah, well, just in, in case, case you need just it. Just in case I need it, you know. Yeah. Wish, him, wish him luck on a game or congratulations. Yeah. Do you, who do you back for? Essendon. Yeah, yeah. Bombers. Yeah. Yes. So not even a Richmond supporter. Yeah. yeah. No. You can be a Dusty supporter. Just a Dustin supporter. That's yeah. a good one to have, though. Like, that's... I wonder how many we're going to get that could top. Dustin Martin. We're so pretty currently famous. I've got the highest ranking. Yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, you do have it. And Straight out the gate. <laughs> it'd be hard to... Like, he's pretty famous, especially in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, so. he's a pretty cool dude, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he like, he's good friends with some people that I know. Mm. Okay. They seem to like him, keep him around, so... <laughs> yeah, so, he nice must one. be. Yeah. That is a good one. Cool. Uh, what job wouldn't you do? I was literally having this conversation with a friend today, and I wouldn't want to do um, replacing the hygiene um, containers in toilets. That uh. would absolutely be the death of me. Just... I've got a very bad, I'm very sensitive to smells. Yeah. And mm. if I was to walk in there, that would be the end of me. Yeah. I can only speak from experience with the, the hygiene bins in the parents' rooms, the parents' yeah. change rooms, yeah. or the mm. nappies. Oh, and they're the worst. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah. And that is like dealing with a nappy at a time at home, <laughs> let alone a shopping centre. <laughs> sort of yeah. worth of nappies. Absolutely. Is, yeah. Yeah, you, you hope it pays well. Oh, You'd yeah. hope so. And I think. The, the thing about like hygiene bins or sanitary bins in places like shopping centre, generally they're in a well-utilised area. Yeah, so it's not like your own personal bin that you're emptying. You can only imagine the oh, shit that yeah. people would put in there. That's yeah. true. It'd be revolting. And then like how frequently are they being changed? Uh, like, yeah, a bit much for me. Yeah. Yeah, ah, fair call. Mm. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice that I've ever received is probably from an old manager of mine who told me to never work harder than my clients. And it's mm. something that I have mm. really taken on board um, and something that it probably took me a long while to actually understand. I think in the beginning of my career, I you know, was kind of straight out of the gates and wanted to help as many people as I could mm. um, and quickly realised that I would have been burnt out in a second had I continued to work that way. So mm. 
I really took it on board and now I definitely don't burn out as quickly. Yeah. yeah. And it I helps. It helps with, you know, them actually realise you're there but you're not there to do the work for them. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And there's a big thing that people talk about at the moment is self-care. Yeah. Like for some reason, I feel like it's talked about a lot at the moment. Huge. But it's been something that's always been important. Yeah. But I like that that piece of advice was was in that um, light as yeah. opposed to, you know, like get your case notes done on time yeah. or don't leave the office before you've done everything or, you know, re- you know whatever it might be. But yeah, in absolutely. fact, it was about you as opposed to the work. Yeah, mm. and she, that, she was very much like that. So she was. it was all about you need to be your healthiest in order to then help your clients mm. be their healthiest. Mm. You know, if you're working, um, if you're only running on, you know, half tank you yeah. can't actually do the best work that you're there to do so yeah. literally the people who asked me I, I send it on to all like, the people that I work with mm. yeah. yeah that's it's so true as well because I think a large portion of the work is empowering people Absolutely. to make better decisions for themselves and sometimes doing everything for a young person or coddling a young person yeah. or a person that you're working with isn't going to best set them up to succeed you're not going to be there forever that's the reality and I'm not you know like I'm not their mom and not their yeah. dad, you know, I'm there as a worker and you've kind of got to put those boundaries in place and I think that kind of helps me to do it but still allow me to do good work with them. Mm, absolutely. And then they kind of choose how much work I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I yeah. like that. It's a good one. And in regards to your work, what was your aha moment? Sort of that moment for you where you're like, oh yeah, this is why this is why I do this job or Yeah. Yeah. I think I was sort of always destined to do this work. Mm. Um, I had a, I've got a brother who suffers from um, long-term uh, heroin use. So pretty much my entire life I've kind of lived around addiction and um, it's sort of been something that's been pretty pivotal in my life. Mm. Um, so it was when I sort of, I started off actually working in the sector, actually um, volunteering my time on a reception desk. And just having all of the different conversations that you have with different people that walk through the door that was really my moment where I was like, "This is I'm like I'm going down the right path. This is something yeah. that I really want to do." It's, you know, it's, no one conversation is alike, and you never know what's actually going to walk through the door at any moment. And yeah, it was it, so it wasn't even actually doing the work that I'm doing now where I had that moment, but it was more like it, it was stepping outside of it and just engaging with people and knowing that that small conversation with them could be making a world of difference to their day. Mm. that was really my moment yeah yeah Yeah. wow yeah and so much like life experience that you can combine with sort of like your education and your work experience all together yeah that can I think having lived with it for such a long time you build a certain tolerance I guess you know to being able to have conversations that maybe not a lot of other people can't have yeah Yeah. Um, you know certain things aren't as confronting to me yeah Um, someone Presenting substance, you know, substance affected isn't, you know, a massive thing for me. I don't, it doesn't frighten me. It doesn't, you know, get me on edge or anything like that. So to me, it's just another conversation. Yeah. With someone who, you know, is unwell. Mm. Yeah. And I think especially heroin is such a, oh my God, subject. There's a lot of fear and public uproar about it that it's because there isn't that exposure. And I think, you know, someone like myself, when I talk about that, it's something that I consciously have to remember that I'm like, you work in it, so you're used to that presentation. You're Mm. used to sitting with that risk. And then that would be an additional level for you having already been through that in a personal way. You become desensitised. Yeah. Mm. Um, So I can, you know, someone presenting on the nod is kind of just another day to me, Mm. Um, which isn't ideal obviously no um but it sort of allows you to sit in a space where people couldn't and help Mm. um you know whereas it might be so confronting to someone that they kind of freeze up a little bit um but i can sit in that pretty comfortably Mm. and even being able to recognize it yeah i've definitely experienced other workers before um within the sector being like oh is that person really drunk yeah. And I was like, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. even like those little things for you to pick up on and to be able to yeah. catch, because sometimes it's it's a really, t- it's a time poor situation. Absolutely. So, yeah. You know, it's things like safe injecting practices and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Something that I'm comfortable talking about. Mm. I feel like you would, you would almost, like from the time you started working, you would almost 
probably have the experience in some areas as a 10-year yeah. into the job worker yeah. through your lived experience, which, because you see it all the time, students yeah. who, mm. um, or people who have recently graduated and, and awesome that they have got to the point of starting to work, but, you know, we learn or people learn very quickly that your education in, uh, in this field only takes you so far. It's that Absolutely. practical experience that then you are in a situation mm. that you do, you know, you almost go to that uh, fight or flight yeah. or freeze. Um, mm. But for you, you would have kind of already um, yeah. had ticked a lot of those boxes, yeah. which would have put you ahead of the game, which, yeah, yeah would be um, I can't, um, quite remarkable, I think. Yeah, mm. and I think it's, you know, I can pass on knowledge mm. having been in it to, you know, some of my team members. Yeah. Mm. Um, to exactly like what you were saying, you know, to see telltale signs of yeah. body ghosts and that kind of stuff and to be able to have a conversation about safe needles and safe injecting practices and, you know, um, things that maybe not, um, maybe wouldn't be in like the forefront of other people's minds. Yeah. But because you've lived with it, it is something that's you do have to constantly think about. Yeah. Um, so I, hopefully it just opens up conversations that mm. might not be very comfortable for some people but mm. need mm. to be had. Yeah. yeah. And I think AOD is a bit of a stigmatised space anyway. It's, Absolutely. It's often a swept under the rug concept. It's, you know, drugs are bad or, you know, mm. they're illegal and that's sort of where a lot of the general public's conversations stop around that. Yeah. So it's awesome to be able to have those open conversations to build more awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like where the – so the title of the podcast for today was like almost like a joke and how anyone mm. that would have seen on the Facebook group, like I put the Mr. Garrison picture of like the – Drugs are bad, okay, sort of thing. <laughs> I can do the Mr. Hanky a bit better. What does he say again? I don't know. Um, the Christmas hey, You want to get high? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, kids, you want to get high? Just do um, a collection of Josh's impersonations. Yeah, which I didn't think I was very good at impersonations, but I've already maybe done two. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. You've um, got two fans here. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, but I think that that's funny because it's sort of like, and obviously South Park were onto that, like whatever it was, 20 years ago yeah, when they did yeah. the Mr. Garrison. But yeah. that's, I think, like the community or the general public's kind of view of like drugs are bad. Uh, that's uh, enough of that. That's and it. But really like, I mean, I'm not going to go like drugs aren't actually that bad, but there's more of a conversation to have. Yeah. Like it wasn't for me until I actually did um, some education with a particular organisation in Melbourne um, where they talk a lot about Ha Min. And I was mm. like, wow, what an interesting view on things yeah. like we're not going to be hitting the hitting our kids up with like you know don't smoke bongs drugs are bad but it's like use a glass bong i mean you guys might yeah. correct me i might get some stuff wrong but yeah um like use a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> use a glass bong don't use the the bottles and yeah. the hose pipes and things like that and i was kind of like opened up to this wow okay this is a really different and really smart angle yeah. to work at with young people who probably don't want to engage in a conversation of stop using drugs, drugs are bad. Mm. But I would assume from like your experience that having a conversation around how men with a young person mm. or an adult mm. you get, is, gonna, is gonna get you a lot further. Yeah, well, and I think that, you know, young people, more often than not, young people come into contact with services, you know, through parents or through um, school services or, you know, other agencies, I guess, who the standard answer is drugs are bad, you know, stop using cannabis, stop using ice. And I think the brilliant thing, thing about AOD services is they come from a harm minimization framework and it opens up a totally different conversation. You know, it actually allows young people to talk about perhaps why they're using. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, first and foremost, no one sets out to be an addict. Mm. Um, addiction isn't something someone chooses to do. Um, addiction is a super functional thing for someone and mm. there's a reason that people do it. It provides a functionality for them. Mm. So whether that's to, you know, escape or to feel more comfortable in social situations or to, I don't know, to relieve anxiety, you know, mm. whatever it kind of is, it, it, it's providing a function for them. Mm. Um, so to actually just sit there and say, well, stop doing that to someone who's incredibly anxious but using cannabis to kind of ease some of that anxiety you've got to give them something else. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so maybe you start the conversation by, let's talk about how you can reduce that or, mm. you know, look at getting some treatment for your anxiety so that you don't have to use cannabis. Um, 
Whereas if you're just saying, don't do it, it's not good for you, stop it, we don't like it, mm. that's the end of the conversation. Mm. Yeah, you probably sound exactly like the teacher totally. or mum and dad. and Absolutely. Yeah. I think what was, um, I think for me, is I almost questioned myself or other people I worked with because I think stereotypically, as someone that works in this sector, it would be um, unusual to to be almost condoning the substance use. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the battle I had in my head. Like, but shouldn't I be telling them that yeah. drugs are bad? Even though I know it's not going to work. Mm. But to, to, to like, um, permit them to continue using drugs. Absolutely. But to, do, but to explain it in a safer way. And I think Just that's something that, as an agency, we get all the time from mm. parents. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, what, what are the conversations that you're going to have with my son or daughter, you know? And if you're not saying, don't do it, then what are you telling them? Mm. And so I think their minds immediately just go to, well, then you're telling them they're okay or condoning the use. But it's not that you're not saying that they're, you know, they're dangerous or there's harm associated with the use. It's that you're just telling them in a different way. You're doing it through providing them with psychoeducation. You're doing it through with providing them how to use drugs safely. Mm. Because, you know, let's be honest, if you tell someone to go and clean their room, they're unlikely to do it immediately. So mm. it's about trying to, you know, have open-ended conversations with them so that they can then come back and trust you and then you can talk about different ways of managing what's actually going on for them Mm. you need someone to open up in order to figure out what's going on um and to just kind of cut the conversation short or come in you know authoritarian for lack of a better word Mm. um you're not likely to get too far especially Mm. with young people Mm. they will sniff it in a second and cut off Mm. um but absolutely we get that for schools and from parents all the time yeah do you think that from when you first started doing your drug and alcohol work or even for the however many you know decades before you started and other people were doing it that they that the angle that they had was around trying to just get young people or adults to stop using drugs is it more of in recent times that we've kind of turned this corner into having more of a counseling attitude towards it and because i wouldn't have Necessarily, if someone was to talk about being a drug and alcohol counsellor, I wouldn't necessarily think about that. you asking other questions about their lives and what's going on for you. Is that something that's sort of a more modern thing, do you think? Or is it, is it more just as we're talking about it that it's coming out in this conversation? I don't know. I, I, think, that, I think typically AAD services had a lot of people in the, the had a lot of workers in there with lived experience okay so perhaps this isn't a new idea but perhaps it's being done with further education around it yeah okay um i've never really thought about it mm. um it wouldn't surprise me if these conversations were being had but maybe in a different way mm. Mm. yeah um, it's maybe more structured and even yeah. maybe more widely spread how I attended a training for example and I'm not, I'm not a drug and alcohol worker totally but that that um, message or ethos was given to me through the training yeah I think people that come from lived experience appreciate that AOD or you know substance abuse isn't just substance abuse you know there's mm. so yeah. much behind it yeah um, and in order to you know try and um, help someone to reduce or to cease substance use You've got to look at the whole picture. Mm. You know, you've, you've got to look at the mental health. You've got to look at the environment. Um, you can't... Substance use is the product of. Um, mm. You know, it's a symptom of something. Um, so if you're just treating the substance use, you're not kind of getting to the core of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in the same boat, like harm means for some people, but some people prefer like yeah. AA form Absolutely. of therapy or NA or yeah. that more 12 step sort Absolutely. of program structured specific same as some young people like to get clean or some people like to get clean in the community mm. and some people like to mm. containment in a yeah. withdrawal unit or a rehab I think mm. we can't I guess like we can't chuck people in a box like there's, everybody's different yeah, yeah it needs to be individualised it needs to be specific to that person Absolutely. So, yeah I think those conversations would have been being had. I just don't know whether they would have been a lot of ears listening or... Yeah. yeah. I think that probably fluctuates and changes with what's going on in society or what's the, you know, the ice epidemic that's, you know, a big thing of late. So I think depending on what's going on at the time would depend. Yeah, trends, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, um, 
I guess, what would be your thoughts on the ice epidemic? As soon as I said that, I was like, oh, no, I was waiting for the gap in the conversation. I was going to ask as well because <laughs> yeah. I think, like, if anyone's listening in to get some more information on sort of for themselves and what have you, like, mm. ice is certainly a hot topic. Always uh, is. Yeah. yeah, which is funny, right? Because it has ice has been around for oh. like. As Ages. long as you want, mm, yeah. but maybe I would say the last ten years we have this thing called ice that's on the streets. But yeah. ideally, it's been or not ideally, I suppose. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> it's been around for, for like forever. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that? Not to cut over your question, no. but is that kind of the, the majority of the sort of people that you um, are working with are using ice? I think there's a heavy portion of them that mm. are absolutely using ice, but. You know, Australia's number one addiction is alcohol. Um, mm. So, and that clearly doesn't get enough airtime, mm. given the fact that it's legalised. And I'm not saying don't. But, <laughs> um, it, it it is interesting that we tend to um, focus all of our attention on one thing when it's hot. You know, yeah, oh, absolutely. Moment. Yeah. Um, and that you know creates stereotypes. And I think I actually get this question like every time. You know, I have these conversations mm. like, "So are all your clients doing ice?" Yeah. yeah. Um, at, at barbecues and yeah. stuff. Yeah, 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 hundred yeah. percent. Sunday yeah. brunch. Lots of ice on the street. Yeah. Yeah. And it's barbecue wasn't a pun, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's absolutely we see it. Yeah. Um, you know, undeniably we see it. Um, and we probably see it more now than maybe we did. You know, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, but it doesn't mean it hasn't been there. Mm. Um, Ice, ice drugs you tend to go in trends anyway mm. Mm. Um, and I think that you know yeah we probably are seeing a lot more of it but it, I guess my concern with things like the ice epidemic mm. or you know the Herald Sun posting about ice on, on the front page is that it creates it, it's scare tactics and it creates fear and it then puts in everyone's minds that everyone's doing ice all the time mm. um, and you know when you put it with things like ice rages and you know mm. people have, going out on the streets and losing their minds and yeah. you know psychosis biting, biting people's faces yeah. off and yeah. getting yeah. shot whole, ten like, times by the police yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, when that's that's not how it's portrayed mm. realistically mm. Um, you know there's so much more to it um, but yeah absolutely my clients do ice yeah 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 <laughs> Um, along with a whole lot of other things, yeah. Mm. Interesting that you mentioned alcohol. Is that is that kind of like a like a um, like a like a thing for you that kind of bugs you that it doesn't get talked about as much and it is a big problem? And I totally agree with you that it is. Yeah, hugely. I think the sheer accessibility mm. as well. You know, for young people, you know, like where I work, probably in like a five hundred meter radius, there's six bottle shops. I noticed that recently yeah. visiting you. I thought, hmm, I, this is ironic. There's one right next yeah. door. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, you talk about like temptation and, and helping people through cravings and, you know, you've got six of them lined up as soon as you go to your AOD appointment. Um, so, yeah, there absolutely needs to be more focus on what we can do in terms of helping young people, you know, I guess like that early intervention prevention kind of stuff. Mm. Um, alcohol's not going away. It's... You know, it's everywhere and it's a part of Australian society, which is, is fine. But I think in terms of teaching people how to drink responsibly, mm. um, is we definitely need to do more work on that. Mm. Yeah. It's funny thinking about like the different conversation topics that we might have today, knowing that you were coming in. Alcohol isn't actually something that came mm. into my mind, which, um, you know, it is what it is. But yeah. you're 100% right. And you think about like, I remember... Um, I mean, you you had like an old training manual out today, and you're like, have a look at these cig- that had cigarette packets, and they yeah. were all the um, colours, yeah, yeah, the yeah, pictures, yeah. designs, oh. yeah. all the advertising stuff. Yeah. It was yeah. like if you were to see something like um, that your grandpa shows you, yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh wow, like <laughs> look at now that. Now it's just olive green, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. But yeah. even and then we now and then we joke like I remember seeing footage from like maybe the VFL and behind the goal is the big Marlboro, yeah. Yeah. you know, thing around it. Or on the race cars, there was a whole racing team and GP that was sponsored by Marlboro yeah, or something, yeah. up, you know. Mm. And um, but we still have in the football or any of the other sports the the alcohol um, advertisements yeah, that come on. Yeah, yeah in the ad breaks or around the ground and, and what have you. And um, I just wonder if in roughly the same amount of time that we 
moved from cigarette packets being adver- or cigarettes being mm. advertised in sports to now mm. when you look back and think that it's funny to see that or unusual, yeah, yeah. whether we will in 10 or 15 years be like, I can't believe that, that Carlton Draft or VB or used whatever to used yeah. to have the logo on the thing. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah funny. plain packaged alcohol. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Mm. It's not a bad idea. Mm. Yeah. Copyright. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that because everyone will be cursing you. <laughs> yeah. All those smokers out there that hate the plain packaged cigarettes, yeah. you're going to have plain packaged alcohol. They're going to come looking for that. Look, I, they say they've got really good stats from changing their they packaging. They've had massive decline in like it, decline in reported um, consumption. Did the so, packaging and the price increase happen at the same time, or was there a gap? I, I genuinely don't know. Yeah, they, did, they, they did put a tax on yeah. cigarettes. Yeah, and they do like every couple of months they yeah, up they the, the GST and the tax on cigarettes. But I don't, I wouldn't surprise me if they came in that mm. like a price increase and the plain packaging came in at the same time. I know, like, um, like when like I've smoked on and off, and I remember like periods of time when I wouldn't smoke, and then I'd go to buy cigarettes, and I'd get nervous. I'd be like, I'm going to ask for the wrong thing, and the lady behind the counter is going to think I'm an idiot. Like, yeah. And so I can imagine that if you had no un- or very little understanding or idea of what you're buying, mm. that the plain packaging would put you off. Mm. And the way that they do the the, the, um, yeah, you know, the, bullet, the yeah. bulletproof doors and stuff. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I do think that I used to work in a supermarket and it used to be so easy to differentiate the smokes because you'd be like, oh, you know, Long Beach Blue or you could pick the logos really quick in the colours. Whereas now, I feel bad for like the 16-year-old that's getting paid minimum wage behind there just like, nah, I can't find it. I remember my friend saying to me, you know, going past a survey, can you pick me up? I've got no idea what I'm asking for. I'm always just like, that one. Do they ask you questions? Yeah. And they're like, oh, do you want the... What is it? The pop filter, yeah, yeah. the menthol, the plane. You're like, uh, uh, um, all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. That's four hundred dollars. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That is, um, yeah, the plain packaging alcohol. I reckon, um, I reckon you should claim it. We're onto something. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You never know. Twenty years from now, drugs might be legalized. They'll all be in plain packaging. Well, that's that's another conversation topic, isn't it? They talk about. I think is it almost every state in the states now in America. Has legalized cannabis, mm-hmm. um, and it's Canada, the whole Canada. country. Mm. Yeah. Do you, in your opinion, do you think it would be helpful? Um, I think, I think we definitely need to do something about um, decriminalizing substances, mm. um, and I think that by legalizing it, it helps to kind of view it as. I guess it kind of changes the view as, as being more medical mm. um, or a health concern. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer of if you took all the drug addicts out of prisons, it'd be like an empty tin can. Because, mm. um, you know, there's the comorbidity of, of the criminal justice system and substance abuse is huge. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we definitely need to start looking at ways that we can divert people especially you know young people away from the criminal justice system and you know they've got things like diversion programs which allow young people to come and have some education about substances um but whether that's enough i don't i I don't know Mm. um but absolutely we need to start looking at different ways Mm. and canada's got like excellent stats yeah um out of i think i was reading an article the other day about it and they were saying there's now more people that have tried it because it's since it's been legalised, but the rate of abuse has declined. Mm. And I think Switzerland's got m- amazing stats Perfect from legalising heroin. Yeah. Like, out of the water... Legalising heroin? Yeah. Sorry, decriminalising yeah. um, okay. her- heroin. Yeah. Said that the wrong way around. Um, but, like, the stats are, like, astronomically crazy. Oh, of, like, no overdoses. And it yeah. just... All, like, the Nordic countries, pretty much. Like, yeah. Amazing... The way that they actually look at substance abuse compared to how we look at it is insane. You mm. know, you would compare the two, and we just look so backwards. Mm. Um, you know, even some of the stuff that's being done in America at the moment, they're closing prisons. Mm. You know, and Australia at the moment has one of, well, has the highest rate of incarceration it's ever had. Mm. Um, yeah, right. And like that's saying something. Yeah, and we're looking for places to build prisons, yeah. not we're shutting them down. Ones. Yeah. 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 It's interesting that you mentioned that America has uh, 
a D, sorry, what was it you said? America, that less people going into custody? They're the, reducing the amount of, like they're literally closing down prisons? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Because I feel like I watched documentaries and stuff like maybe 10 or five years ago where they talk about, or even news articles that talk about the three strikes rule. Yeah. And the guys were getting locked up and getting 30 year sentences yeah. for their third strike because they had, you know, X amount of weed on them for that same country to then have kind of almost backflipped really totally mm. um so i listened to a um i went to a conference recently about it um and they were talking about how um and it was it was the mayor was the mayor of new york um no the deputy mayor of new york um and they were talking about how they had to go that extreme in order to realize how bad it was so oh, that they yeah. could come back yeah, mm. okay. um and it was really interesting listening to her talk about it because it was almost like they were ticking every box that they knew that they were going to tick. Mm. Um, but they just had to wait and see. Now they can see where they went wrong. And so they're trying to right those wrongs now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they were saying that they had some... They spoke to um, some of the politicians here and they believe that we're heading down the same track in terms of going to that extreme um, incarceration rates and... Um, having people, you know, step inside prisons that shouldn't have to. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you have to think about what's that then doing because, you know, they say that the first time someone enters custody, you're 76% more likely to actually return. Mm. Um, those stats aren't going to help us in the future if we're incarcerating people at an all-time high rate. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast. It was Michelle Laurie's um, yeah. Australian True Crime. Yep. And she was interviewing a gentleman who, well, I could misquote. So if she ever listened to our podcast, Michelle Laurie, <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. But I think it might have been the one that was Mr. Ordinary. If you listen yeah, to yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the gentleman went to, for like fraud, white collar. It might have been him, but if not, someone said that jail was full of um, drug addicts and psychopaths. That's it. Yeah. And, and by that, he meant that people who are in there for all the crimes they commit because they're addicted to drugs. Yeah. And then you've got the crazy people who That's do it. what they do. Yeah. Mm. Um, which I was like, yeah, right. Like, and I know, you know, like, you know it's there, but it's, it's I think when you phrase it a different way or you, yeah. you hear someone else say it like that. And even before when you said it really struck a chord with me that no one, no one uh, chooses to be a dra- yeah. drug addict. Yeah. Just, yeah, I kind of was like, of course. Yeah. Not that I would be judgmental to people who are addicted to substances, but it's kind of like that thing of, yeah, someone started somewhere, something happened, whatever it was, a traumatic event, um, whatever it was, spending time with the wrong people or group, what have you. um, But it was, they stepped on that path of of where they are now and it wasn't a choice. It was a a sort of a journey that they ended up going on. Totally. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And I think there is a, um, I think there's perception, and, and not with all people, but certainly with some people in society, that using drugs is a choice. Mm. Um, and, you know, you can certainly say that maybe when things are experimental or recreational, you know, occasional, whatever you want to call it, yeah, maybe that is a choice. But when you get to the point of addiction, all choice is out the window. Mm. Um, you know, and then to think that it's super easy for someone to, um, you know, just go into rehab. You know, people say you've got options like go to rehab or go into a detox or you know go to Bali and go to a rehab there <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. Which I wouldn't hate, but yeah. I think a better way of looking at it is like taking a dummy out of a crying baby's mouth. Mm. You know, substances are uh, soothing mm. for people. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's it's not as easy as just kind of making the choice to stop. Mm. You've got to have, like, the foundations around you in order to be supported in, in stopping. Mm. And I think, like you said before, everything has a function. Mm. And I think sometimes people who use substances as a function to support themselves are doing so with the best resources they have at Absolutely. that time. yeah. And so if their resources, you know, low socioeconomic and, you know, if you think about marginalised um, sections of society... If that's the best coping mechanism they have in that moment, that's what they've got. That's it. It's not as easy as, yeah, go to rehab, get clean, you know. 
30 days later and you'll be right. Yeah, that's it. And that's why it's so important, I think, for AOD services and mental health services to work in collaboration with, yeah. uh, you know, with the substance user. Because mm. it's about actually developing new strategies. Mm. Um, you know, one triggers the other. Mm. So if, if you've got someone who's reducing off substances, it's their mental health is likely to decline as well. So then you need the mental health there to back that up and yeah. help them, you know, provide them for the time being or help them develop new strategies mm. to cope. Um, you know, it's it's... You need the collaboration in order for people to get off it. It's not yeah. as simple as just treating substance use. No, and I think someone pointed out to me once, which was super interesting, um, that there was, I guess, something that I observed in the sector was that there was a bit of us versus them mentality with AOD and mental health. And then I remember a mental health clinician actually saying to me once, it's interesting, isn't it? Because often people get sent to you know, me for mental health support and we say, you've got to deal with the substance yeah. use first. I can't work with your mental health. Yeah. Imagine if everyone in the mental health, uh, sorry, in the AOD sector said, you go and deal with your mental health and then I'll work on your AOD. Yeah. What society's, you know, flip around on that would be. Absolutely. And I was like, that's, I think that was probably a moment for me where I was like, yes, we're moving towards yeah. a point because historically it was a, you know, yes, you might self-medicate with substances for your mental health, but you need to go deal with that first and you can't deal with one without the other. They're not Absolutely. siloed. Yeah. Hmm. I do hope we're moving to that. Because <laughs> uh, absolutely, working with clients, you do you, you do get pushback at times. Um, mm. And it's really hard to navigate. Yeah. Because, um, you know, and I think, his, I, I think typically AOD services have also been left holding a lot of risk. Mm. Um, they sort of, it's almost like last man standing in a lot of, um, a lot of cases that I've kind of dealt with. Um, which is hard because mm. you can see that I think most people can see that it's, it's a wider issue than just someone using heroin or someone using ice um, but because of the complexities in behaviour mm. people do kind of just pull out sometimes because they don't know how to deal with it or mm. they can't get through or they've you know, given a period of time and nothing shifted um, they're not ready they're not ready yeah mm. Um, so it's hard. So I really do. Yeah, I mean, it's got, it's actually really nice to hear. That. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I was shocked. I was yeah. a bit like when I heard it. I was like, yeah, sorry. Because <laughs> it shouldn't be this us and them mentality. No. Um, no. You know, I think first and foremost, you're there for the client. It should just be best practice there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I've seen so speaking from someone who's not an AOD worker and and dealing with. Um, clients in like the case management youth work kind of role is there the middle person in your the conversation you're having around mental health and the AOD service is um the emergency department yeah mm. because we'll um for however it happens the young person will end up at ED and they'll either say we can't treat them because they're or we can't assess them you know appropriately what have you because of their their substance affected mm. or it's behavioral mm. and so we don't think that there's a mental health problem and you know they're released with a few questions are, you know, if you about killing yourself, no, they're free to go. You're like, okay. Do you have a plan? No. All right, yeah. see you later. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for your time and um, I'll get that four hours back somewhere else in my life. Yeah. Mm. Um, because it's that chicken and the egg kind of thing. And, absolutely. And the dual diagnosis stuff, which is just not, like it's out there, absolutely, but just sort of not as accessible or, or not all the services are on that, that train, mm. that track of thinking yet, I think. Yeah, and, and substance use can be incredibly complicated. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you know you do get those people that that's behaviours are erratic and you know they present in psychosis chronically and um, it's it's yeah it, it is really hard it is like a chicken and the egg sometimes and you know some but someone's substance use can be um, so heightened at one point that there's no way they could do any mental health work mm. um, and vice versa yeah so. You, you do have these moments where you sit in it kind of going, where do we even start? Well, because you've got the chicken and the egg being the drug uh, or substance use, the mental health, and then whatever you want to call it, which is underneath yeah. all of that, which was whatever the significant mm. traumatic event was yeah. that kind of started this journey for this person. Yeah. So even if you try and figure out the, the first two, you still got to, you know, how do you figure out what it was at the very bottom of everything? And that's, 
where you were saying before, you need to have someone that's supporting the substance use side of things, but you need to have that mental health. And I literally pictured someone catching something yeah. as, as you said it, was mm. literally the mental health thing falling out the bottom and then, then the mental health worker kind of catching that thing that's exactly to what helping them yeah. deal with it. You know, that's what I, what I pictured. It's literally yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because you good. never know when it's going to fall. Right. You never know. Like, you know, you can have someone who's, and, you know, especially with something like ice use, it, it takes the brain 18 months to totally repair from, you know, chronic ice use. Mm. Really? Yeah. So, and in that moment, you'll have so many waves of emotions. Jeez. You know, because you're talking about someone who's suppressed their emotions for however long um, with substances, and then you know, they stop. Let's say they go to rehab and they stop cold turkey, and then you've got however many years of emotions to then deal with plus all the stuff that's happened whilst they're on substances so you've got guilt and sadness and trauma and you know anger and whatever else mm. um trying to manage that with someone who doesn't know how to manage it is huge mm. um so you need you, you do you need teams yeah one of the things i wanted to ask you about is um and you too nat uh, obviously is um <laughs> Is it a re-emerging trend or is it just for me seeing it that chroming sort of is back in the community? I feel like I've heard people talk about it being younger people. Okay, um, you know, is that something that you see? Do people do people come and get like drug and alcohol service from from you guys for chroming? Or, you know, what what's I, for me what I see Rexona is like a big thing and a common thing that people chroming talk about. Chroming is back. Chroming mm. is back. Thanks. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely it is back. Um, yeah. And it's actually, it, it, it's Australia-wide. Mm. Um, I had a conversation with um, a researcher maybe a month ago uh, who was calling to literally ask if Victoria, Victoria is seeing um, increased rates of chroming and she was saying that Queensland is getting hit at the moment as well. Um, Western Australia has it as well like in, Everywhere. in terms of reporting <laughs> like increasing reporting mm. um it is absolutely back with a vengeance mm. um and i say i don't know about you yeah. Nat, but um more often in um 16 and after yeah. yeah 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 i would agree i think probably um something that was floated in discussions that i've had was it was pre my time being in the aod sector um, was the sort of last wave of inhalant use that we saw. Yeah. Um, and there was an incident with a young person, I think, falling off a building or mm. something and passing away. And so what they were explaining with the last sort of um, spike in inhalant or chromium use was that generally it's a... Um, like it'll come in waves and ebbs and flows and it'll be, you know, for example, it might be a kid in out-of-home care moves to a new resi and teachers have run at that resi. Oh, I chrome with Rexona, I do this. Mm. And then you see, you know, the pick the up the pickup of inhalant use and then something really bad happens. Yeah. And then it sort of dissipates and drops off a bit. But it's also a quick high, a cheap high and some like there's a stigma around it being a dirty high. So it doesn't mm. generally um, they either cease or move on to something else. But I feel like this is sticking around. It's absolutely. We, so we are certainly are not seeing a drop-off of it yeah. at all. Um, and interesting that you say, you know, a dirty high. Yeah. The stigma's within the young people. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. It's actually other young people saying to them, yeah. that's disgusting, like, yes. stop it. You know, yeah. so I've got young people who chrome who will say, I can't chrome in front of that person or that person because mm. they'll tell me it's gross. Mm. Um, and you do. It, it, it tends to be this drop-off and maybe about, like, 16, 17 um, interestingly enough, I um, was having a conversation with um, a, another guy who works in the AOD sector who was saying that they're doing huge research at the moment into it being linked to sexual assaults. Okay. Yeah. That people that are under the influence of chroming, who chrome, who chrome yeah. are the victims of yeah. sexual assaults. Yeah. Is there a theory behind that? That they're sort of inebriated while it occurs or...? Well, no more so that they have been a victim of Oh, of my apologies. Assault. I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, right. So they're seeing a correlation between, yeah, victims of sexual assault and, and chroming. Mm. Um, so they're, they're obviously going to do more research into it. Um, mm. But I guess one thing that would do is it would help us to treat it. Because um, at the moment, yeah. there's not 
any, you know, there's not many harm reduction uh, strategies that you can use with it other than, you know, being in well-ventilated ve- areas mm. and, um, or, you know, if you're inside having a fan on or, mm. um, yeah. Yeah, there's not like a mid-strength deodorant, is there? Like, no. You know? <laughs> there's no better substance to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's petrol or, yeah, Rexona, like, mm. neither of them are good for you. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that research. Yeah. I'm interested yeah. in that too, yeah. And what a, what an unusual link. Yeah. You know? Because mm, that's definitely something we hear with heroin. Yeah. There's definitely a, a strong link there with heroin. It's, um, you know, just something that really works well in that sedative nature with yeah. um, people with not only trauma but um, sexual assault histories. So yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard that before. I'm no. intrigued. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Would you say that I think stereotypically like inhalant use, petrol, glue, paint, deodorant, Mm. Are they, would you say that any of them are like they're as bad as each other or is, I mean, it's probably hard like, to tell. In terms of impact like chemicals that are in them. Mm. Do you know? I think they're all pretty yeah. bad as each mm. other. Okay. Um, I mean, paint was pretty dodgy there for a while, but they yeah. had, um, you know, they started doing the things like locking it away at Bunnings yeah. and they changed one of the core um, compound makeups yeah. in it to a oh, different okay. thing that does the exact same for the paint, but it... Um, yeah, changed the chemical makeup that was getting people high. So, yeah. um, you know, and I think things like, you know, Nangs is a big thing at the moment. And, uh, they're, yeah, you know, you yeah. can't just buy them at the supermarket anymore. Even when you go to cake stores, if you're buying more than, you know, a, a box of 10 canisters, yeah. there's some question marks. So there is things out there in the community that are yeah. being done. Mm. Imagine um, like Nonna just trying to go get some stuff for her cheesecakes <laughs> and stuff now. Just wants to work she'll be un- You know, she'll be very confused. <laughs> And yeah. the, the guy will probably tell us something about Nangs and she'll come home and say, yeah, Natalie. Yeah. Well, I've had that question before. I've actually had a parent rock up with um, like a bag of jingling empty canisters and said, what is this? And My I was son, like, he, he said he's um, doing said, an apprenticeship in, um, he's a pastry chef yeah. now. I said, is his son a baker? He said, no. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. If, if, your son, yeah. <laughs> if your son hasn't started a bakery or daughter, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, he may be addicted to nangs. Yeah, she really likes whipped cream. Yeah, really likes whipped cream. <laughs> yeah, mm. I know. And I think that I think the um, concerning thing with it is, is especially with like the Rexona, mm. um, is that there's no longitudinal studies on it, so no, no one actually knows what the long-term effects of this stuff is. Yeah. Mm. you know, with paint's been around for ages, and petrol sniffing's been around for ages as well, um, but Rexona kind of seems to be a bit of a new thing, and they're not quite sure mm. what the butane in it can actually do to someone's brain mm. yeah and the development like if it's Absolutely. you know the, the ages that we're seeing are under 16 mm. that's some pivotal time Huge. in development for an yeah. adolescent where mm-hmm. your so body is growing and then you're you know putting that into your you know your body and your brain and you know restriction of oxygen and mm. your development like long term what do, what does that mm. what does that mean for mm. you I feel like I, I heard something, um, and I'm putting you on the spot, but is there an immediate or an ongoing sort of health issue around chroming that you that it can affect your breathing? Yeah, yeah. Could so you explain that? Yeah, so there's a thing called sudden sniffing death that's associated with chroming. Okay. Um, and so it is literally, it's your heart, so it's literally an increased heart rate. And so one of the... Um, one of the important things that we kind of tell residential care workers, you know, where we're seeing people chroming in the, in the units, is if someone is chroming, not to, um, like, startle them or make mm. them run or, you know, because they're already at an increased, um, mm. a heightened state, to heighten them even more can put them into cardiac arrest. Yes. Um, so it's, it's sort of those strategies that we're feeding back to people that are dealing with it. That... That is where I heard it. It was a conversation that I was I heard that people were having with police. Yeah. That police have been told, and I'm, don't quote me for you know Victoria Police, but um, <laughs> it's a big organisation to <laughs> to annoy. Mm. But that um, and if it's true, then it's really great. Is that if you see people in in a park, for example, the the police may want to go and have a chat to. Yeah. Uh, and you think that they're chroming, just you know, unless there's a massive sort of safety issue avoid it yeah. because if you know, young people will run yeah. away from the police if they're scared and it can cause yeah. which is now what you're SSD. saying SSD mm. sudden sniffing death, death. Yep. brutal okay which is a really I think 
you know, when we started the conversation talking about how men uh, and just education around substances and stuff, that some of the things that you can employ or just have in the back of your head yeah. in our line of work, that is such a basic one. Absolutely. That, mm. you know... Um, and but, huge in impact. And huge in impact. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say... Um, or could you kind of, uh, you, you, both of you as well, Nat, sort of any harm in sort of um, strategies that you would normally talk to to young people or parents or carers about? I mean, I know I joked before and talked about the glass bong, for example, um, as, a, as a harm in strategy, but is there other things that you would suggest to people? Do you mean overall substance use? Yeah, yeah, just as a bit little, you know, mini little education session, like, yeah, if you I don't think- mind don't use alone is a massive one if you've have a buddy yeah always have a buddy and i know it's not always realistic to ask to have a sober buddy but if that's a possibility the reality is that at least if something does go wrong you've got someone safe there yeah or at the very least tell someone what you're doing yeah Mm -hmm. um so that they know that you know because of the different effects of substances if they know that you start acting a certain way they know it's because of that Mm. you know or if you've taken something and it actually goes the other way, they know it's because it's a bad batch or, you know, whatever it is. I think, like, also, like, knowledge is power. You know, mm. if people are taking, like, pills on the weekend and stuff, use Pill Report. Mm. Um, it's always good to kind of know what you're in for. Pill Report? Yep. So Pill Report's a website um, where you can literally look up the different kinds of pills that are going around. Mm. Ah, like, um, they'll have, like, a photo or something. They've got photos, they've got descriptions, mm. and they'll tell you... So it's different people that kind of comment on it, mm. and they'll they'll tell you sort um, the effects that you're going to get from it. So mm. or journal you, entries like how yeah. it's affected them, and yeah, yeah, wow. And so it'll say things like, you know, got sweaty within 20 minutes, <laughs> or you know, started feeling floaty after an hour, or mm. these pills take long to kick in, so don't take another one yeah. for like 40 minutes, you know, whatever it kind of is. So mm. I think just having those kinds of little bits of info can help you out. Yeah. And I think the other big one, and probably something that I even questioned when I was younger, when I remember people coming to my high school and doing drug and alcohol talks, is if in doubt, just call the Ambos. You're not going to get in trouble. Like the the best case scenario there is that an ambulance rocks up, assesses you, and you're all good. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of the time with um, people, there's this concern around, like, you know, money or, you know, um, someone finding out and them getting in trouble. And the reality is, is it really worth your life yeah. at the end of the day? If that's, yeah. that's the decision you're making there. Yeah. And I think, too, the message, if anyone, like, if, a young, if young people do end up listening to this conversation, mm. like, being that mate, too, yeah. of, like, I call, the calling the ambulance for your friend. Yeah. And that, that if you're, if, like, I would maybe theorise that, that your friend could get shitty with you or annoy with you, like you know you've done the right thing and I think yeah. that's like you're saying though it doesn't cost anything or Absolutely. even if it did cost something then but you know your and friends are alive if they're here to be mad at you let them be mad that's yeah. right yeah. better that than at their funeral yeah. yeah absolutely mm. and if um, obviously a lot of people that work in this sector will be hopefully listening but if there are if we you know we have parents or anyone really that is learning some of this information for the first time and they do have someone in their lives or they know someone or they may even come in contact with someone in the future who does have issues with substance use or using substances, mm. um, where would you sort of direct them to sort of, what would be the first port of call in sort of supporting that person, would you say? So I think a really good hotline is family drug help. Okay. Um, mm. You know, so if, 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 let's say it's a, you know, a mother who's concerned about their child, um, it's always good to get some tips from them. They're, it's a 24 hour hotline as well. Um, but I think, you know, first and foremost, have an open conversation with the person, mm. let them know what your concerns are. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes it can be incredibly overwhelming for people to come in contact with services. So help them if you can, you know, encourage them to come in, that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's good. It's a good, a good to know that there's a, like a helpline number, yeah. you just give them a call and you can kind of like get directed into the, yeah. the space and I think you're right like we do it all the time you know having those upfront conversations with yeah. young people mm. saying like you know, whatever it is that you would say um, and I think that planting the seed with the young person especially if you are a mum a dad a yeah. carer brother you know whatever it is mm. to plant the seed with them and even if they deny it in the first 
time that I think it just shows them yeah, that you're there and that it can open up a conversation. And like you're saying, the journey mm. to recovery or even the journey to the first sort of um, conversations around opening up with around the mental health side of things mm-hmm. is long. Yeah. And you, you, people make those jokes, just go to rehab, just mm. go to a just go to a detox and, you know, like go on holiday and come back and you'll be fine sort mm. of thing. That it's not simple like that. Mm. And that it can be a really long time. And if you are having those conversations or, you know, trying to um, sort of evoke some of this information out of whoever it is you're talking to, that it could take a long time for them to come back to you. But the seed will definitely be sort of planted there, I would imagine. Absolutely. If they don't pick it up in, you know, in that conversation, maybe they will in a week, maybe they will in a month. Um, But so long as, you know, you're kind of having it and and showing them that you actually care and you're there for them and, you know, you want to help, then Mm. I think you're on a good path. Yeah, awesome. Mm. Beautiful. I had a question for you in regards to drug and alcohol. Is do you have a least favorite? Favorite seems like a really inappropriate word to use in this sentence, but um, a least favorite substance to work with or a favorite to work with? Yeah. Um. I don't particularly love working with cannabis. Yeah. I don't know why. Hmm? Um. It's just something that. I don't think that's where my strength is. Okay. <laughs> I guess is probably more the reason for it. Um, and I typically tend to work with people who are using heroin and ice. Yeah. Um, more often than not, my clients. Yeah. And more often than not, my clients are, um, are chronic users. So mm. a lot of my clients have been using for... Um, oh, some of them have been using for 15 years. Mm. Um and as I'm kind of speaking about this, I guess another one that I don't particularly like working with is, is the chromium. Mm. But I think that's more because we don't have a lot of strategies or current strategies, I should say, in place. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of just dealing with crisis management all the time. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. So until we kind of get more strategies to actually work with it. Mm. Maybe and doing effective do work in crisis do, management. Yeah, doing effective is, work in it. You can't. Yeah. Right? So. I've never actually been asked that. But yeah, off the top of my head, they're probably my answers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I would be similar. I yeah. Hmm. I'm just trying to think. I've asked you that question and now i just trying yeah. to think of my response. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know why. But I, I don't know why necessarily. The chroming, I definitely know why because of the strategies. Yeah. Not quite sure about the cannabis, but yeah, definitely. I tend to work more closely with ice and heroin. Hmm. I think, especially like in our in, in the team that I work in, everyone kind of gets a niche. Yeah. Mm, um, mm. It doesn't, and it, it seems to kind of happen organically. Yeah. Um, so we've got, you know, there's someone in my team who works incredibly well with, um, you know, young females like, yeah. at risk. Um, and then there's another girl in my team who works really well with like mental health. Mm. And like typically seem to be the serious violent offenders. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I guess like you know when you're working with someone you're kind of just dealing with the person at hand and the substance use is kind of in the background yeah but yeah that's typically how it works out in our team Mm. it's good to have that in a team though I think that really builds on a dynamic and you then pick and choose whose report um, who's I guess going to have the best rapport with that person but also the best knowledge in that situation and being able to grow from your team in that's it. It's in all the work is awesome. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, I think that might be us. Yeah. Oh. Thanks heaps for coming down Thanks to, so much for having me. to chat with us. And um, yeah, it's been really, I think, informative. And um, mm. yeah, it's just been a really eye opener, I think. And having some really roundabout conversations, um, I really like love to hear some of those like hard min strategies and things. And yeah. like really kind of, I guess, um, like opposing that sort of really stereotypical view that yeah. Mr. Garrison had and mm. kind of opening up that conversation. And we didn't even talk about schools. That would be an interesting topic, which we could maybe cover at a yeah, different yeah. time because I think education in schools is something that's interesting. But um, nonetheless, we've covered off a lot of different things. Um, yeah. Mm. I think the other thing is that there's probably some pretty nifty websites that we know of Absolutely. that we could... I don't know how we'll figure that out. That'll be a yeah, job I mean, for another day that we could put some yeah. stuff in there. Yeah. For, you know, if there is people some listening that want more information and yeah. don't want to have that sort of 
telephone connection at this stage and um, yeah y-o-d-double-a yeah 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 so there's um that's a three-part section website that you can access for support workers um for yourself or for a friend yeah awesome and you know like we've um we've had this discussion before but the podcast came from sort of running the Mm. melbourne youth and social workers a very wordy title um Pog, uh, forum, the mm. group, Facebook group. So, if anyone does have any feedback, comments, or um, suggestions, things they wanted to get more information from listening to this episode, please just shoot a message or um, a comment on the page. Um, please invite your friends to um, join the page or to share the podcast as well. Yeah. Um, of course, we make heaps of money from doing this, <laughs> just like our jobs. Hey. Like, <laughs> Um, yeah, we make like we literally don't make any money from this. Um, there's no and not going to be any sponsors um, yet. So please share away, have a listen, and invite your friends to join the uh, the group as well. Um, we can share some more information. And if there's anything that anyone else would like to hear or ask any questions, yeah, please do hit us up. That's it. Thanks, Thanks Sarah. Thank Thanks, you. Sarah. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of Knowledge on Tick. Please like and share the podcast, invite your friends and colleagues into the group and get in touch if there are any guest speakers you'd like to hear from or any topics you'd like covered. Take care and enjoy your week.